and power of Jesus Christ comes through us and we give our life to him, those are the, the outward manifestations that come forward. And uh, the interesting thing about the fruits of the Spirit, do you notice it's not confidence, it's not self-assurance, it's not happiness, it's not these, these I things. The fruits of the Spirit are all about your surroundings, all about everyone else but you. It didn't mean that you're going to have contentment. The fruits of the Spirit are meant for others around us, for our brothers, our sisters, the widows, the orphans. The fruits of the Spirit are the outflowing of, of the workings of Jesus Christ in us. And so uh, we're going to talk about that and, and uh, move forward. And so I want to say hello to anybody online who's watching. Um, Dale, wherever you are, love your text messages whenever we're live. And so if you're watching, hello and to those. So I just want to give a shout out to you there. Um, if you have a Bible, let's turn to James chapter 1. And uh, we finished off at verse 19, or at verse uh, 18, so we're going to pick up verse 19 tonight. James, which is after Hebrew, kind of near the back. And uh, we'll start. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the world or to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers him religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this— to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I love it. So the fruits of the Spirit, we're going to go back through this little verse by verse. The fruits of the Spirit, you notice how it's, it's not about us, it's about everybody else. Well, being fruitful, we want to talk about what does it take for us to move ourselves from being the, the, the dead fish, the cold fish Christian, and into one that's experiencing the fruits and experiencing the best that God has for us. And, and one of the components here is that it's always in community. We are a small community of, of individuals that we want to experience God. And so what that also calls us to, to be is genuine with each other and to give our burdens to another, but also give ourselves in submission to others who are in the body of Christ that can help encourage us and move us. And it's not that we want to have judgment. We don't want to have our friends say, hey, you know, come pick on me. But we want to not be individuals who judge, but more fruit inspectors. If we want the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we want people to affirm and to pull that fruit out of us and be able to come into us and, and say, man, I'm, I'm recognizing this. I see that you're really anxious all the time. I see that this is really like you just you don't have joy. You, you, you are always unsettled. And, and you can come and say out of love, like, man, something's, something's up. Can I reach out to you? Can we, can we talk? And the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience. And we get to, to kind of be in communion with each other and, and encourage each other in that. But here's the bummer thing on that. is in that context is that you are called to both be on the receiving end of that and also on the giving end of that. You have a responsibility in your community to, to pull the best, the best fruit out of those around you. And also you need to be in a position where you're going to receive 
that as well. And so as James starts, it says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I really believe that he's talking about when we as brothers and sisters come together. And if they're going to confront you on something, is that you are quick to listen. You notice how, like, when people bring something up to you, and maybe you don't like it, what happens is the claws come out, and the walls go up, and you're just, you know, get off. And you, you get into, like, this die or, or fly mode when someone brings anything up to you. And it's so frustrating, because I see it all the time. I, I've grown up in, in circumstances and see that, and I was kind of like that. Like, you couldn't say anything to me without me, like, you know, really coming at you. And, uh, and so the, the body of Christ is meant to be this ebbing and flowing that we would come in and encourage each other and also sharpen each other. The sharpening also means that there's a, a rough edge to that. And so what he's saying is to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Think of that as you're receiving that and as you're giving that. If someone is, is trying to encourage you, are you bringing the claws and the walls up? And how about if you're giving that? Are you so mighty and righteous in which you're coming to them and you're being condemning? Are you rubbing their nose in their sin? Are you coming down with judgment? What are you doing? Are you being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger? It says this, For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. I find that interesting that man's anger, man's anger is not what God desires. I think he's saying that man's anger is imperfect and often produces self-righteousness. So I want to give a little bit of encouragement here as we all move to becoming individuals that that bear fruit, but also that we become individuals that look to be fruit inspectors and to be the best versions of ourselves to pull fruit out of each other, is that we never come with the wrong intent. We never come with the wrong motives. And it's always out of love. We exemplify love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control in that process, whether you're giving or taking. Capiche? All right. Therefore, this is verse 21. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, the word of God, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Everyone say, do what it says. Do what it says. This means that we are called to be uh, doers, not spectators. Doers, not spectators. Now here's, here's an issue. Is, is I see as... as Hungry Christians come involved, and they, they experience God, and they have this amazing impact, and they're, they're ready, right? And they're ready to charge the world and, and conquer every last feat. And, and, and I, I swear I've been seeing this way too much, is that they, they over-involve themselves. They sign up for every last thing, seven nights a week, four times on Sunday, three on Saturday, and they just completely overcommit themselves. Now, there's nothing wrong about getting involved, there's nothing wrong about getting involved because the opposite of that is never being involved and being completely detached is wrong. But God is saying, instead of being involved in seven things a week, why don't you be involved in one thing a week and apply it seven days? I think I see a challenge. I think so many people get almost ministry burned out. As they go to so many different things and they are involved in so many areas and so they're getting all this input and all this input, all this input, all this input, but there's never a time where they actually get to apply it. There's never a time in which they get to walk it out and, and mature that. Again, remember, the fruits are for others. When we spend all the time on the receiving end, we're missing the other side of the equation where we're supposed to take that, and there's supposed to be an outflowing of our life to those around us. God does not reward attendance. I always uh, pride myself, like, in school, like, I always had really good attendance. 
And it never got me very far, you know, because it, they don't give you all the points for attendance. Well, maybe in second grade they do, but uh, later on, it just, it, I was always like, well, I'm consistent. And you don't get rewarded for consistency in that. Just because you show up doesn't mean squat. It means if you take it and you apply it and you do it. I really have a, a, a fear that, um, that there's a, a, a model here. And if you think of a plant, you think of a, a plant that's planted in soil, and, and if you can think of, of uh, all the activities you can be in, you this little sprout, right? And the sprout is growing, and you're getting water, you're getting fertilizer, you're getting sunlight, all these things, right? That is you getting involved. You're involved Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You, you know, you're, you're fully involved. And so you think that if the top side of the soil up here is all your involvement, below it is how you're applying it. The roots that go down. The roots that take depth and provide stability. And here's why it's really important. If you are always growing up this way, the smallest little wind's going to come and pluck you right out of the ground. And I have seen a ton of people in the past year and a half that came in here and they got fired up. And we have so many activities, so many awesome people. We have so many awesome ways to get plugged in. And they're all really good. But I see some people that do them all, which, is, which can be fine. But I've seen a lot of people now that are completely off the radar screen. And we're trying to reach out to them. We're trying, hey buddy, how you doing? Darkness. Because what happened is they, they grew so tall this way and they just got taken out. They never let those things, the truth, the word, God's presence, God's love, their identity, those things that we all love and we need to hear, but they didn't let it sink down. And I would challenge you, if you feel you're burned out in ministry, is to maybe look at what you're doing. There's nothing wrong about saying that I would rather take one thing and apply it seven days, rather be involved in seven days of things. And I say that cautiously because I know we have a ton of awesome things to be involved in, and only you can be the one to know if what you're doing is breathing life in you. But if you are finding yourself so busy and so overwhelmed that you never have time, where there's never community for you to actually be involved with somebody where you guys get to share fruit, then there's something wrong. So I want to say that in, in means of don't be doers of the word. I think that this is too easy. We think of people who are hypocrites, and maybe we don't think of ourselves as being overly ministry busy and receiving all this input, but never actually walking it out. We want to seek the roots. I'd rather be an inch tall and a mile deep any day. Verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I think it's interesting that... Uh, the scriptures give us a parable, an example of our identity in doing what the word says. I don't think that's by accident. It's like if you hear the word and don't do it, it's like a man who looks at himself in the mirror and forgets what it looks like. It's, it's talking about identity. I would argue that the more that you get into the word, the more that you let those roots dive deep, the more in which you can absorb the goodness in the small areas of God, the more you will come to know who your identity is. And I believe the opposite. I believe the more that you detract from the word, the more that you just kind of go it alone and you're just going on emotion and I feel the spirit of God or whatever, you know, but you never actually have God's authored word in your life and you're pouring into it. I, I feel that you begin to detach your identity. Again, these are all these careful balances. And that the same goes for if you're only ever in the word, you know, and you, you are completely isolated from everybody else. You're never in community. You're not bearing fruit either. So we have these these 
these walls in which we, we work, and both extremes give us unfruitfulness. And somewhere in the middle here is where we come and we find our identity, we find Christ, and it's in the healthy balance that is really made for us. And God is going to customize that and curtail that for us. We have a, a, a guy, and in, in Dave's in this group, and a few other guys, and, and we have this, this guy who's, I think he's 80-something. He comes down to our office, and we'll do these four-hour Bible studies, and we'll get through like eight verses or something. It is insane. And, and he, he has the word, and he has it memorized like crazy. And we'll spend hours agonizing over these sentences and all the ways in which it permeates our life and goes deep down. And he's like, don't focus on reading a full chapter. In the morning, read one sentence and get that sentence and apply it to your day. Read it over and over again. Memorize it. He's like, focus in on the small details. When you focus on the small details and you understand the profoundness of God's word is that you begin to transform and begin to understand who God made you. You have the understanding of who he is and his word and his promises, and that all pushes forth for our identity. But the text is telling us to be a doer of the world, of the word. And if we don't, it's like forgetting ourselves after we've looked in the mirror. Verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in whatever he does. If anyone considers himself religious, yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Everyone say worthless. worthless. Now say fruitless. fruitless. The Bible makes a clear distinction here that you can be super religious, but you can have no fruit. You can be involved in everything. You can play the part. You can sound like you're on fire. You can do all those things. But at the end of it, there's something that tells whether or not Christ has completely changed you or not. Has he taken dominion over you? I feel convicted on this one because I remember reading this verse when I probably was about 17 years old. And I got into motocross. And uh, I was racing. And I was with this group of guys. And I thought I was super cool. And we'd go out and and uh, I don't know why my family let me go out there all the time by myself with these guys, but I was like this young guy, and there'd be all these older guys, I mean, late 20s, early 30s, whatever, and, and you'd race the circuit. And the crowd, uh, you know, there, it was just a different fabric than I was used to. And there's like literally zero Christians in that, that segment of the market, you know. And, and so I'm like in there, and these guys, I'm just being exposed to all these things, and one of the things I picked up was creative language. That seemed to be the one thing. I didn't get necessarily drawn into this bad thing or that bad thing, though all those opportunities were there, and I praise God that I didn't fall into one of those. But the one thing that I found myself is I found myself really wanting to be like the guys by my language. And I developed an amazing use of the F-bomb. Amazingly. I'm like, I look back, and it's that word for me, like I can't hardly even go to movies in which that word is, is just like it's nails on chalkboard for me, but for a while... Like, I was an expert. I mean, I could use it as a pronoun, an adjective, a verb, a, you know, adverb. I mean, I could, I could do it all, you know, in one sentence, too. I was like, whoa, that was impressive, you know. You know, if you get compliments and you're swearing, you know you've, like, you know, got it. And so I found myself, you know, I'd go home and, you know, I'd, I'd do youth group and do church and do these different things. And then, you know, I'd be over here and I'm just, you know, rattling it off. And, and a guy called me on it. 
Again, he did it in love, and he did it in correction. He's like, let me just show you this. If a man cannot keep a tight rein of his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. And I was like, whoa. You can be religious and have no fruit. And I think that your actions, your behaviors, the way in which you carry your life is actually an indication of where God is in your life. And I remember because in the context of that, me swearing, talking about all these different things, the biggest fail of my entire life happened right then when a guy asked me about Jesus. And you know what's funny is when you get caught in that, when you're caught in your behaviors totally contradicting your faith and God's purpose and plan, and you know the truth, when you get caught in the contradiction, you lose all influence and opportunity that God has provided for you. He handed this on a silver platter. I've never to this day had someone be like, so, tell me about Jesus. You know, it'd be like this little t-ball, like, set up. Like, you, d- you dream for opportunities like that, rather than trying to, like, bring it up and feeling awkward, and I don't want to be outcast. I had this guy who just, like, put this little ball on a tee, and is like, all right, hit it, you know? And I totally just like, um, oh, you know, whatever. I didn't have any idea why he's asking me that, right? And I noticed I had put a Bible verse in the back of my seat cover. And he's like, a Jesus fish, isn't that? And that little verse, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'd just been caught. And he asked me a second, and I was like, no, 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 seriously, like, I, I've, I've, you know, I've been reading, and I, I want to, like, get to know, like, more about this. Can, can you tell me about Jesus? Nah, you know, it's, it's just something I, I kind of grew up with, and, you know, it's just, I don't know, you know. Anyways, it's like, okay, you know, all right, that's cool totally blew it. And when we have our behaviors and we have our life living total contradiction, making a mockery of the, the transformation, I mean, how could I, I stand there and tell this man the power of the transforming life that I live through, the king that is risen, that died on the, Christ, on the cross for me, and sit there and I'm totally caught red-handed mocking his transformation in me. And here's the bummer part of it, too. So I totally cheesed out. That guy... A week later, we had an opportunity to go riding together. And it probably was one of the first times that I really felt God really speak to me. And it was this huge race, this huge pro purse for money. And I felt, I shouldn't race. I remember sitting there in my parents' bed, and we're all lined up, you know, family's ready to go with me. And I'm just like, I just, I feel like I shouldn't go. It was weird. Like, all right, whatever. They didn't care. And so my buddy's like, you know, wanted me to go, and I just, I felt so awkward after that. It's like, I can't, I can't go by myself with you. Like, what if you ask me that again? Then I'll have to explain why I was swearing and all this stuff. And, you know, I was feeling like totally cheeseball, and, and so I, I didn't go, and, and so I found out the following Monday. It's like, hey, you know, you guys heard how Merrick did? Oh, you didn't hear? Oh, I got paralyzed on Saturday. It's like, what? I said, yeah, dude. He's like, life support, you know, whatever. And I just, I remember feeling like that, that cold rushing. Like I felt that, that God had totally given me this opportunity. I had, had totally blown it. I'm not saying that if I would have delivered the gospel right then, and if I would have gone with him, that anything would have been different. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that God gave me an eternal influence, an opportunity to do it, but my mouth and my tongue completely contradicted his power and his truth. And combined with his injury and his subsequent life being totally rocked and turned upside down, I felt I had no credibility. I had nothing to offer him before that. Who knows? Who knows what would have happened? Maybe he would have heard from God that he shouldn't go. I don't know. I can't play those games, but all I know is that from that missed opportunity, I have carried that with my entire life. 
And that one reason alone is why I started Epic Life. I actually started Epic Life almost 10 years ago as a way in which I could somehow weasel the gospel into action sports and into motocross. I just started with stickers, a little sign. And so then when I came here, you know, you guys were like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. Um, I came here to Capitol and kind of walked away from it and was pursuing other things and, and got up with the opportunity to, to come back and, and have more fruit birth from that traumatic life experience. But it was amazing because God is faithful to use our biggest screw-ups for his greatest purposes. And I, I feel so passionate. Ever since then, ever since I totally blew it and had the opportunity, when you feel that you've missed it, you are forever motivated to move into God's presence. I don't want to go back there. I don't want to feel what that feels like again. And so for me, it's not worth it. And so after that experience, I don't think I've ever used that F-bomb again. I was so convicted about it. I was so ashamed of what I had made of my God. And so I want us to look at this when we say, cannot control his tongue. Remember, self-control is the last fruit of the Spirit. If we don't have self-control, we begin to make a mockery of God's transformation in our life. And that's not to say that we'll always be perfect. There's a big difference between making a mistake and falling and giving something mastery over us. 1 Corinthians 6, 12, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. But I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be mastered by anything. If something's mastering you, then that is rebellion to God. Because self-control cannot have mastery. It cannot master you. If you cannot quit, if you cannot stop, if you cannot do that with that person, if you cannot do this, that is mastery over your life. And so God is saying, if you do not have self-control, you deceive yourself and you are fruitless. Fruitless to a kind, because you are bur- bearing some fruit. Let's take a look. Matthew 7. Flip back. Matthew 7, verse 16. There'll be four verses here. Verse 16 says... By the fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. I want to read that one more time. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. We're recognized by our fruit. You might say you're fruitless. We talk about being fruitless Christians. That doesn't mean the absence of fruit. That just means the absence of good fruit, the absence of the fruits of the Spirit, because we are producing fruit wherever we go. Just like I was producing fruit with my language and my compromise, and I did a ton of other things, too. I was was bearing some bad fruit over here, too. And I think when we think of that, are we producing good fruit? 
are we doing things that are changing our lives? Are we having the critical look at us and, and, and align ourselves with God's promises, His best, and the fruits of the Spirit? And are we having a, a realistic analysis of, of where we stand with that? If we say, okay, I don't have self-control, then what's the opposite of that? It's probably some bad fruit that you're bearing. What are the, what are the consequences to your lack of self-control? You're harvesting some fruit somewhere, and it's not the good kind of fruit. What about patience? What about goodness? What about joy? What about love? I mean, you can take that whole entire list and flip it upside down. Think of the opposite. If you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, you are probably providing some of the bad fruit out there. And so I just want to say that just so we're on the radar screen that this is what it's all about. It's not that we're completely perfect, but at least that we have an ability to look at the fruit and say, okay, God, that is the, the workings of you. I'm blowing it on half of these or all of these. It doesn't matter, but God, I want to dig roots down for this. For this week, I want to go after joy. Lord, just show me what joy is. Can you implant the roots of joy in me? And you focus on one. Forget all the others. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. And you ask yourself, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? In every area of your life, where's the fruit? WTF, where's the fruit, right? You can say that. Where's the fruit? And you get a look at your life and just think, WTF, you know? Where's the fruit? I'm glad someone thinks that's funny. I woke up at 3 in the morning this morning, and I, I couldn't sleep this morning. I was like, WTF? Um, where's the fruit? But honestly, for every area of your life, where is the fruit? And that's not to be religious. That's to be fruitful. God says it's all about being fruitful. It's not about attendance. It's not about this or that. It's just about providing fruit. And fruit is this, loving all, especially those in need. James gives the widows and orphans and staying pure in a corrupt world. We are called to bear fruit in a corrupt world. That is our calling. We're not called to attend church. We're not called to do all these really worthwhile things. God says, love him, love others, and through that you bear fruit. Have the workings of the Holy Spirit in your life flowing from you. So what kind of fruit is on your tree? And it's okay. You don't need to be like, I have them all down. I don't have them all down. No one does. And here's the, the challenging thing, is that the enemy has such a clever way of exchanging some fruit. Let's say that you are, have a season of where you are just filled with joy, and you, life is amazing, and then another season comes to your life, and life stinks on ice. You cannot stand life. And there's seasons in which your life changes, and we need to have the perspective. We never arrive. We can only maintain. But if we are the gardeners and we let God be the harvester, we are in good hands. We just need to have that on the radar screen. And I just don't want us to live powerless lives. Because when we aren't producing fruit, we are utterly powerless. We are utterly worthless for anybody else. We are wasting space in the pews. If we are not bearing fruit, we are using up oxygen. I think God makes it clear. He wants us all. He wants none of it. I mean, he always wants all of us. That is his heart and his desire. But it doesn't make sense for us to go through the motions and never have any material change. Fruitfulness is this. And this statement haunts me now. Because the same guy who takes us through these five-hour Bible studies and we get through three words, you know, he says, I spent my entire life preparing for the day of temptation. He's like, I feel that that God put the fear in me that one day the circumstances would all be right and I'd have the great temptation upon my life. It's like I wanted to form my life and study my path so at the moment of my great temptation, I would hit it out of the park. I would respond how Jesus would respond. That is what he says fruit is. 
is that the moment of your temptation, when that comes, when that challenge comes, is that you respond as Jesus would respond. I mean, all this is, a Thursday, a Sunday, whatever, it's just training. It's just, it's just equipping. That's all it is. It, you don't earn any credits. You don't earn any attendance bonus points. You don't have a little gold star when you get to heaven, like, oh, you went every Thursday. You know, you don't get that. You, it all matters. When the transformation of God's word and his spirit comes into you and you have those moments where you get to stand at the threshold of greatness and choose mediocrity, or you get to choose greatness. That's where the fruits at and is about. Prepare yourself for the great temptation. I challenge you, what, what is it for you? What are those certain circumstances? What are those series of crazy one in a million chances of environments and, and things and and what, what is that, that one in a million place and time in which you are weak and you have the moment to stand at that threshold? And think about it. Internalize and think like, okay, here are my self-diagnosed weaknesses, challenges. And be honest with them. Be honest with people around you about them. And you line those up and you say, okay, my greatest temptation, my, my greatest opportunity for epic fail, it looks like this. And then you get to, you get to look at enemy's game, the enemy's game plan for your life. If you can come up with that formula, you can probably find a pretty good blueprint of where you're going to be tested. Because the enemy works that way. His purpose is to destroy God's purpose. The enemy's purpose is to destroy God's purpose. God's purpose for you is that you would birth fruit. Now, here's the thing, and we're going to do a little something different tonight, is that I feel that our community or group is that we are under oppression for our fruit. I feel that we have an enemy that's trying to pick us off by discouragement. Maybe you're in that camp. That there's something in your life, something right now, and we're seeing it. And we're over it because we know that God's truth trumps the enemy. Is that God's word endures, and his promises are greater than any weapon of the enemy. And so as we look and we say, okay, we know that the enemy's trying to step up and attack. He's trying to do something. And I don't want to focus on what the enemy's doing, but I want to focus on where God wants to take us, and it's not discouragement. And so we're going to mix it up here, and we're going to close with this. We're going to close with some prayer together. And we're going to do some business with God, because it says when two or three come together in his name, that he is here with us. John 15, 7 says, If you remain in me and my word remains in you, remember his word, if it remains in us, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. I want us to have breakthrough. I want us to have the desires of our heart. I want us to have peace that surpasses understanding. And so tonight as we close, we're going to do some prayer. We're going to do a couple things from here with a couple leaders, and then we're going to turn around, and I want us to break into some groups, and we're going to pray together and petition God for breakthrough in us, and to fend off whatever would be against in each of our lives, because all of us have stuff. There's not a single one in in here that doesn't have stuff that you're not working through that's on the the horizon, the fringe. And so I want us to to pour into that, and so I'm going to ask Stephanie to come up here, and and we're going to address a, a few issues and pray, and so if you're here, if you're new, checking it out, don't be weird out. This is, this is where we come together as a group, as a community, as a body, as the body of Christ, brothers and sisters. And we get to take authority over what the enemy has tried to steal in your life. So, Amen. Awesome. Well, um, just 
you know, to kind of share with you guys, like, what we're doing here. You know, God gives us the power over the things that we struggle with. And there's this whole other realm, this whole war that's going on that whether we recognize it or not, it's happening. And, you know, angels and demons, and that stuff's all legit. Like, that's all real. And um, whether we acknowledge it or not or whether we realize it or not, it affects us. And so there's just a couple of things that um, that we've been uh, kind of talking about and, and realizing that, that our group as a whole are kind of struggling with. And so we just want to go after that stuff tonight. And, um, and just I just hope you guys realize as we get into this, like, our prayer has power. And, and if you guys are going through things, like, even if your circumstances aren't that bad, but you just feel like crap, like, there's a reason for that. Like, that's discouragement, and that's not from God. And God wants you to feel motivated, and he wants you to feel good. And, and if you're going through this temptation stuff and all that kind of thing, like, there's a reason for that. And, and God wants to break that off of you. And so that's kind of what we want to um, talk about tonight. But um, for me, what I want to pray for you guys for is um, against hopelessness. And this is something that in the probably the past um, month or month and a half, I've been going through like horrible stuff with just feeling so hopeless and um, really having no reason for that. I don't have any um, bad circumstances in my life or anything like that, but I've just had this huge weight of just feeling like giving up. Like, like I don't even know what started it exactly, um, and it took me a really long time to figure out, like, it's spiritual, like, it's, it's not even my circumstances, it's what's going on in this realm that I can't see, and, um, and so anyways, you know, the enemy puts stuff in our life, and he, he puts these weight on, weights on us to try to bring us down, and, um, and so I just want to, you know, pray over you guys that, that that would be lifted, if, if there's anybody in this room that, for whatever reason, like, you just feel completely hopeless, I really believe that God wants to encourage you tonight, and that he wants to lift that burden, if, if there's people here that getting out of bed in the morning is, like, the hardest thing ever, God wants to change that, God wants to motivate you to be able to get out and be, get out of bed and be excited for your day, and he wants you to know like, really, really know, like, let it sink in the purpose that he has for you, and, and, and just to encourage you, um, and then another thing that I just wanted to confront, and it's a really big word, but I, you know, we've, we've had a couple of us that have really felt like this is going on, and I believe that there's people here that have been struggling with thoughts of suicide, and, um, I think that that doesn't just mean physical suicide, but also spiritually and relationally, um, you know, physical suicide, I do not want to live anymore, when is my life going to be over, you know, I, I just don't think I can make it another day, um, spiritual being, I'm sick of living this Christian life, or I'm sick of fighting, and I'm sick of having to, you know, say no to all of this stuff, and I just, I'd rather just give up this Christian thing and go back to my old ways, and, and, and there, that's, that's a form of suicide as well, because you're killing that, that spirit, that desire to kill that spirit, and then also relational, and that is just any relationship that you know you're called to be in, somebody that you've been reaching out to, or a relationship that you know is really good for you, and you're just 
you're sick of dealing with it. And maybe, maybe it's somebody that you're reaching out to and you are just tired of it because they're not getting it and they're not listening and they're not changing and whatever. Or maybe it's somebody's reaching out to you and you're sick of hearing about it and you just want to cut off that relationship because you don't want to be held accountable or you don't, you know, whatever it is. And so um, I just want, like, the verse that kept coming to mind is, um, you know, we all know the 23rd Psalm, and it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And, you know, that's something that we, you know, we have heard that a million times, but, like, I really believe that that is a verse to cling to for anybody that's in this hopeless place, and that is, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because he's with me. And, um, and so I'm going to pray over you guys, and so, um, you guys can just bow your heads, and we're going to have a couple people pray, um, but dear God, I just want to pray over every person in this room, and I just, in Jesus' name, I break hopelessness. We just command that to be broken in people's lives. God, I just pray that you would come and that you would encourage people. If, if there's people here that are feeling hopeless, I just ask right now that they would know that they are not alone, that they do not have to go through the, the things that are weighing on them by themselves, that you are with them. God, I just pray that, that your joy would come and replace every hopeless feeling. And in Jesus' name, we break every thought of suicide. We silence that in Jesus' name. God, I pray that your, your hope would just come in and give people passion for every single day. God, the, the people that feel that they are worthless, the people that don't know what the point of, of living is, the people that are, are sick of fighting spiritually, and, and the people that are running away from the relationships that you've called them to be in, Jesus, I just pray that you would strengthen them and that, that they would know your power, they would experience your power. Ephesians 1:18 says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope of, to which he has called you, the riches, riches of his glorious inheritance and his in, incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Jesus, that verse means that we are to realize how powerful you are and how great you are and what a huge hope you have for us. And this verse says right here that, that, that that's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So right now, I just, I just pray for that power to come and rest on anybody that is, is thinking about death in any way. And I just ask, Father, that your power would come and resurrect their encouragement, would resurrect uh, their passion, their purpose. I just pray, Father, that, that you would restore identity in this place, that people would not question who they are, but they would know who you've made them to be. We just pray all these things in Jesus' name. All right, I'm just going to pray over a couple things here. We're going to go after um, just anybody who's uh, just in the past felt rejected or not accepted. Um, the Lord doesn't want you to feel rejected. He wants you to feel accepted because you're, you're worthy and you're priceless and you're valuable. Um, another thing I'm going to pray over is just, uh, just not to be afraid, not to be filled with fear, but to be filled with love and peace and joy and all those uh, fruitful things that Eric was talking about in your spirit. Um, 
Yeah, just not to be afraid to to have uh, just a feeling of accept uh, of acceptance because we're all accepted in God's kingdom, and there's a, a special place that we all carry that uh, of a uniqueness that no one else can fill. So I'm just gonna pray for that. So Lord, I just ask that you just touch everybody's heart tonight, just to feel accepted and loved as you've created us to be, because we are all unique, and there's no one else that can fill fill our place. Lord, I pray that everyone who has come tonight just have a soft heart to accept the love and the grace that you've, you've passed to us. And I just pray for new ears, for people to hear all of the love that has been spoken over their life. It could be family members or friends or just even um, words of encouragement that you've given to them of just telling them about their goodness. I pray that they take their new ears, Lord, and just to hear that and to say, yes, that's me. I'm good. I'm accepted. I'm loved. I'm unique. Romans 12.2 says, um, don't be conformed by the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I feel like what the Lord is saying to us all is not to be conformed by what people tell us or by what the world's saying. We can't do this. We can't do that. He's saying, be transformed by him. Listen to the love that people are speaking into your life. You're dearly loved. Hebrews 3, 7 and 8 says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I think a lot of times we tend to harden our hearts to, to prevent people from coming close to us, to prevent people from loving us, to almost we kind of prevent ourselves from being accepted. So I just pray that tonight they just be accepted. Accept God's love. He wants to love you. You're deeply unique. You're deeply valuable. Ephesians 2, 20 says, Christ is the chief cornerstone. Later in the Bible, it goes to say, great things will you do in the world. So I just pray tonight, just even when you go home, there's no one around. Just ask the Lord, ask Jesus, protect me, love me, show me the way, fill my life with good things, happiness, peace, and joy. And he's going to do that. I just pray when no one's around, you don't have to talk to anybody. Just, just speak that out. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone in our life. One thing he said in Acts 18, 9, he told a, Apostle Paul that this was someone going and spreading the good word of God, the goodness, the love, and the peace, and the joy. He said, don't be afraid. Do not be silent. So I just pray that, Lord, tonight, pray that everyone here be filled with courage and peace and joy and all the fruitful things that Eric spoke about in the Spirit. Just pray for fear. We just break fear in the name of Jesus. You weren't born to be afraid. You were born to be bold and to know who you are. You're a wonderful person. I just pray we just release that light that's inside of you, the goodness that is inside of you, the amazing heart that you have, the amazing destiny that you were born to boldly walk with. You carry a living message of God because you're good and great. All right, here's this. Um, I'm going to pray over the spirit and uh, pray against the spirit of compromise. Um, I just want to start off by talking about, I don't know, you might be familiar with the story of Solomon, um, King Solomon. He was the son of King David, and King Solomon followed everything that God told him to do, and God blessed him immensely with so many things, and then he took advantage of those blessings, and he gave in to the idea of, and the spirit of compromise, and as a result, he suffered a lot of consequences.
So I just over compromise I want to talk about and pray over just against any any temptation that you may have had in your life, whether it's sexual, whether um, your love for money, um, your lust for, for things of this world because you're seeking to be the best. You're, you have so many earthly desires and you're not seeking the kingdom of God. The other thing I want to pray over is um, against the spirit of greed, um, just the need to, to have everything, to be the best of everything. You're not content with what you have and you seek to to get it somewhere else, whether wherever you seek, wherever you find happiness, you do not have everlasting joy that God has been seeking to give you. So I just want to pray over those three things right now. God, we come before you right now just to thank you for everything that you've blessed us with, God. You've blessed us with every spiritual blessing, Lord God. You are so great and so mighty, and you seek, Lord God, to just fill up in so many ways possible. Any areas of our life, Lord God, where we have sought to compromise, use um, the idea of compromise or the spirit of compromise has sought to overtake it, overtake our life, Lord. I just break that right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that you will give us the strength, Lord Jesus, to say no when we need to say no. Lord God, if our boundaries are wavering, I put a stop to that right now in the name of Jesus. If our morals, Lord God, are being are just being shot down and it's so hard for us because we're either we're giving in to the idea of temptation or we're giving in to the idea of greed lord i pray lord god that you will just shake us lord god i pray lord god that all our baggage will hang out lord jesus i pray lord god that you lord jesus for us who are who are just dealing daily with temptation lord god just the lust the lust for for physical love, the lust, Lord Jesus, for things that we can't afford, the lust for money. Maybe some of us are seeking to be the best, Lord. Maybe some of us are seeking to do things our way and not yours. Maybe some of us are seeking to seek after things, Lord God, that you may not have intended to bless us with yet because we weren't ready to handle it, Lord. I know, Lord Jesus, that you are preparing us for something so great and so amazing. And each of these things, Lord God, are not some things that we want to carry on in our lives, Lord Jesus. We want to live for you. We want to encounter you in new ways, Lord. We want to receive the blessings that you have for us. And anything that is blocking that right now, whether it's the spirit of greed or the spirit of deception, the spirit of temptation, I break that right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray for an overwhelming peace, for an overwhelming sense of joy, a joy that no one can take away from you because that is God that's giving to you. And the only person that has tried, who has tried so many times, is the devil. And I command you to leave right now in Jesus' name. You are set free from every spirit of temptation and greed, confrontation. Anything that is not of God is broken right now in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I thank you for everything that you've blessed us with, Father. Um, I just thank you for every spiritual blessing that you will continue to give us, God. Lord Jesus, in your word it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. If you are seeking things of this world, know that God has so much, so many things that are so much greater and so much better than things that you can possibly imagine. God's word says in Ephesians 1.3, how we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to him. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, it says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. God is so faithful. And I pray right now, if you haven't experienced the true love of Christ, or you haven't ex experienced the true intense of how amazing he is, I pray, Lord God, that you will just shower over us right now, Lord Jesus, and break every ounce of temptation right now. Those of us who are contemplating whether or not to enter into a relationship that may not be 
someone who you have intended us to be with, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will just break that desire right now. Any desire, Lord Jesus, that is not of you and is seeking to be better on this earth, Lord, we know that you have something so much greater. In God's word, it says, wherever your treasure is, there your hearts and thoughts will be also. And Lord God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that our thoughts are going to be of your thoughts, Lord Jesus. I pray that anything that we think, Lord Jesus, is going to be something that you want us to think, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your blessings are enough for us, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that your treasure that you have in store for us are enough, Lord Jesus. I pray just for contentment over this place, that we will experience contentment and experience joy every single day. And if we are not experiencing that, God, I pray for an immediate intervention right now in the name of Jesus. An immediate intervention right now in the name of Jesus. Lord God, in James 4, 7 it says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will give us the strength to overcome any temptation and any ounce of greed that has come into our life, God. We want to love you. We want to know you. We want to seek you. And we know, Lord, that you are continually building our character every single day. Any circumstance that comes before us, I pray, Lord Jesus, that the strength that you have sought to give to us or are continually giving to us, Lord, will prepare us for those things. Lord God, we receive you right now, and we receive every single blessing that you have for us. Thank you so much, Lord, for how amazing you are. You are a great and mighty God, and I am so thankful that I serve you. Thank you, God. Jesus. Amen. Whew. All right, last thing here. So we wanted to take a little bit of a different approach tonight, and if you're new, again, um, we just thank you for being here, but we want to do one more thing, is, is I want to have all the guys over here and the girls over here, and, and again, we just believe the power and the agreement of prayer, and so I want all the guys... Uh, on this side, girls that side, and we're going to pray as brothers and sisters for just a few minutes. And, and if you can <clears throat> pair up into groups about four or five, get together and um, tell you what's next. You can stand, sit. Standing's cool. I like standing. All right, so if you can, like, kind of pull aside, maybe four or five guys, leaders, you guys know who you are, just kind of pull together. And um, if you don't feel comfortable uh, praying, that's totally cool. You can receive tonight. But I would challenge you that what is the worst that could happen is that God would encounter you and meet you and move in your life. And so I want you guys to do these two things. One is I want you to go around and maybe say something that you're thankful for that God's doing. It says when we come to him with thanksgiving is that he's faithful to answer our prayers. So we want to come and say, I'm... I'm thrilled that God is doing this, or I'm thankful for this. And then maybe contribute to your, your small group of a few guys of, of one thing that you need prayer for. It could be for a job, it could be for a relationship, it could be for anything. And so we believe in the corporate power tonight when we come together and agree that God's going to show up and He's going to move in all of our lives. Our community is only as strong as we're willing to be together. So we'll spend a couple minutes and just share with your group right there, and we'll close it out. If you're uh, 